I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. That's Corey Joel. And I have a regular CBSSports.com column called Agents Take on NFL Contracts and Salary Cap Matters. Uh, Today we're going to talk about two things, cover two things. One, the Saints dilemma of Drew Brees, and also a look ahead at the potential new contract that Jamal Adams will get from the Seahawks uh, during the offseason. First, let's start with Drew Brees. Now, Saints have the most challenging cap situation for 2021. Um, Saints are a team that has been very aggressive in terms of manipulating salary cap by kicking the can down the road by pushing today's salary cap obligations off until tomorrow and using creative ways with um, contract restructures. Um, One thing that they'll do is they'll stick more avoidable years to stretch out proration of a signing bonus when converting converting base on a signing bonus so they can get more immediate cap room. But in turn, that means you're going to have more future cap obligations. With the NFL and NFLPA agreeing to a $175 million salary cap floor for next season, the cap's going to go down. Um, Before the coronavirus pandemic, we were expecting a cap projected to be maybe $210 million, with revenues declining. At best, we could get back to the current level of $198.2 million. Either way, uh, the Saints have some issues. In the offseason, the top 51 cap numbers count against the cap for for purposes of accounting. Right now, according to NFLPA data, there are 44 players on the contract for the Saints at just under $282.5 million. When you fill out the top 51, you're probably going to get slightly over $287 million. They have a little over $4.8 million of unused cap room right now they could carry over. That's not going to help a whole lot. So that means you're talking basically 282.5 million is where they'll be. Cap could be 175 or if everybody's lucky, stays flat 198.2. Either way, huge problem for the Saints. Now, when Drew Brees um signed this year to return to the Saints, it was a 2-year $50 million deal. 25 million the first year. 25 in the second year, they added two dummy years for cap purposes um, so they could stretch out his $23 million fully guaranteed roster bonus over four years as opposed to two. One thing that he did that was different from the contract he signed in 2018, which gives the Saints a little bit of uh, flexibility, not the same sense of urgency, is he doesn't have a roster bonus for 2021. In the 2018 contract, 
he in second year 2019 he had 11.95 million dollar third day of the league year roster bonus, which was going to force the Saints' hand to do for, with him sooner rather than later. If he was going to, they're going to exercise the roster bonus. And there's guarantees with the roster bonus as well that uh, he was there. This year it's just straight base salary, and to me that's a sign that Drew Brees probably isn't going to be playing football next year. And that's something that Sean Payton alluded to in the offseason, then alluded to again a little bit uh, earlier in the week when he's talking about who could compete for a starting job when Breeze is over and made it seem like it'd be 2021 that they re-signed Jameis. He'd get a real opportunity and wouldn't just be Taysom Hill's job. It wouldn't be given to him. Breeze is coming back this week um, to play against the Saints from the 11 broken ribs and the punctured lung he suffered. So he's missed the last four games. Breeze is going to be 42 in January. Now, he's got a $36.15 million cap number for 2021. For 2021. It's $25 million in cash, as I said. That's the fourth highest cap number in the league. So even if Breeze decides he wants to play another year, and if they win a Super Bowl, again, he's out. <laughs> There's, uh, that'd be a way, nice way for him to ride off into the sunset, kind of like Peyton Manning did, got that Super Bowl, got his second one, and retired. So you got a $36.15 million cap hit for your quarterback that's 42 and now has declining arm strength and had a serious injury this year, which forced him to miss some games. Missed games last year as well. Uh, so you got durability concerns. So would he really be worth $25 million if he wanted to play? But let's just assume for he's going to retire. We're going to have to deal with potentially him taking a pay cut because fourth highest cap number in the league when you've got these type of cap problems, not tenable. Now, if you were to just cut Breeze when he retired or he retires, then, and it's done in a conventional manner, because of the way the Saints have been doing contracts, they're going to have a massive amount of dead money. In that 2018 contract he did, in 2019, they pushed the can down the road. They turned $16.2 million of money into signing bonus. So, and they added a dummy year in 2021. So that stretched out the proration over three years at $5.4 million. So for Breeze, not only do you have the $23 million from the roster bonus this year, that was a roster bonus in, in 2019 that got stretched out, uh, you've got $5.75 million of proration left 2021, 22, and 2023 from the 2020 contract, and you got 5.4 left in 2021, for the restructure in 2019. So that means you're going to have $22.65 million of, of dead money. So you would pick up money in a conventional cut because you got 36.15 and you'd have $22.65 million um, in dead money. So you're going to pick up 13.5 that way if you do it conventionally. Now, if I'm the Saints, that's not really what I would, I would do. Since they've been creative and pushed the envelope, there's a way they could really push the envelope. If you do a post-June 1 designation, each team has two of those they can use once the league year um, starts where you can push the cap obligations, where you can have the bonus proration in future years not accelerating the current year like it would if, if Breeze retired before June 2nd. can push the uh, proration off to the next year in 2022. So, uh, what I might do uh, is use a post June 1 designation, but you have to carry the cap number, the full cap number, until June 2nd. 
that to get to get that type of treatment, that doesn't really help the Saints because then you're carrying Breeze at 36.15 million. So now what I would do if Breeze knows he's retiring and since he has roster bonuses in his contract in 2019 and in, in 2020 as opposed to signing bonus, there isn't any money they could potentially recoup, even though it's prorated. When you have fully guaranteed roster bonuses and they prorate, not the same type of recruitment that you have with signing bonus. It's only recoupable in the year the money is earned. So the restructure from 2019, that roster bonus only could have been recouped in 2019. This year, the roster bonus 2020 can only be recouped this year. So next year, there's nothing that they can potentially recoup. So I have to worry about that for retirement for Drew Brees. So what if I'm the Saints and Breeze and he's retiring, they could work together, work in concert to really help manipulate the cap and give the Saints the biggest cap benefit for post-June 1 designation. And what they could do is drop his base, have a negotiation where he doesn't announce his retirement, drop his, uh, knowing that he is going to retire, drop his base to $1.075 million, $1,075,000 is league minimum. Then you take the other $23.925 million, you stick it into not likely to be earned incentives a good portion in 2021. Since he didn't play, he missed four games. There are plenty of things you could do. Statistics will be down. And then stick some of it into a 2022 third day of the league year roster bonus, even though that year is going to automatically void. The last two dummy years void. So you could do something like that, one of those two things. So that's going to immediately take $23.925 million off the books. So his cap number would go from $36.15 million to $12.225 million. And that would really benefit the Saints immediately. Under the conventional post-June 1 designation, you still have that $36.15 million still counting. And then June 2nd, you would, you'd pick up the $25 million, um, and you'd have $11.15 million in dead money in um, – 2021 and then in 2022 because you'd have 5.7 million 5.75 million of proration in 22 and 2023 you'd have 11.5 million total is dead money in 2022 you're still going to have that 11.5 million dead money in 2022 the way i'm proposing but you don't have to carry the 36.15 million all the way until june 2nd because you chopped this base down to 1.075 million so come june 2nd You'd only you wouldn't pick up you'd only pick up 1.075 million dollars of cap relief then, but you've had use of the 23.925 million all throughout the uh, uh, off season if you if you do it the way I'm proposing. Otherwise, you're going to have 22.65 million of dead money for Breeze. You pick up 13.5 million. He's off the books in in 2022, and you start fresh. This is if he's retiring, but the way the cap, Saints cap situation is, I wouldn't be surprised to try to do something creative in the manner I'm proposing. But um, first, Drew Brees has to retire. Uh, if he's going to continue playing, then there that's a whole different story. $25 million salary, uh, $36.15 million cap hit. Does he still make the $25 million? Do you add more dummy years and then convert money into uh, something that gets prorated and kick the can down the road? But we're just looking at retirement. So keep an eye on how the Saints potentially try to manipulate the cap if Drew Brees' career is indeed over after this season. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is almost that time when you put your name in a grid and hope that your box hits the final score. But you don't have to wait till February to start winning with boxes. You can play box pools every day for every game. Boxes is completely free to play, and you can win big. Go to boxes.com for more information or download the app now. B-O-X-I-Z. Sign up at boxes.com or download the app and use my code JOEL20. You'll get free bonus boxes where you can win cash and other prizes. Let's uh, move on to Jamal Adams. Now, this is a situation that I find interesting for a variety of reasons. Um, Adams was wanted a contract, new contract from the Jets. Um, just played three years. Uh, typically, first-round picks don't get contracts after three years, even though you saw more of them this year get them than in, than in previous years. Uh, when they weren't going to sign him to a contract extension, asked for a trade, um, got his wish. Um, right before training camp started, uh, was traded to the Seahawks. Jets got a 2021 first-round pick, 2022 second-round uh, first-round pick, 2021 third-round pick, safety uh, Bradley McDougal, uh, and Seahawks got Adams and a 2022 fourth-round pick. Um, Adams this year is making just a shade under 3.6 million in salary, and next year fifth-year option 9.86 million. Um, a new contract was not a necessity uh, with the trade, kind of like when um, Jalen Ramsey was traded from the Jaguars to the Rams, didn't need a new contract immediately, um, was comfortable playing this year under the rookie contract. So one thing that we had heard in uh, when he was still with the Jets was Adams wanted to be one of the highest paid defensive players in the league, and then there are other reports where he just wanted to be the highest paid defensive player on the team, which uh, C.J. Mosley Signed that deal at $17 million per year as a free agent with $51 million in guarantees, 43 fully guaranteed at signing. So Adams uh, this year has missed uh, four games for groin injury, then came back and is, was dealing with a shoulder problem. Tremendous versatility, uh, unique skill set. Some people are saying he's transforming the safety position because he's kind of like a chess piece that you can move with various places. He has now set a single-season record for sacks of sacks for defensive backs as eight and a half. And if he had missed the four games, he'd be in double figures. Eight and a half puts you eighth in the NFL right now. Now, one thing is that when you get paid in the NFL, you get paid by position. He's listed as a safety. Now, if I'm safeties, don't get paid as much as cornerbacks. There had been. Up until this year, the safety market had closed on the cornerback market to where the top of the safety market was in the $14 million range. Top of the cornerback market was 15. That's now corrected back to where it was in about 2014. Back then, you had Patrick Peterson and Richard Sherman in, in the $14 million per year range and Earl Thomas at $10 million. So now, if you look at um, where defensive backs are, are paid, 
Highest paid safety is Buda Baker at $14.75 million per year. He got $33.1 million in guarantees. $22.1 is fully guaranteed at signing in the four-year extension he signed right before the regular season started. Uh, Eddie Jackson had been the guy at a shade over 14.6, $33 million in guarantees, $22 fully guaranteed at signing. That's an extension, four-year extension that he signed right after the end of the 2019 regular season, January 2020. Those guys are now the 7th and 8th highest paid defensive backs. Now, in terms of guarantees, the safety position is Landon Collins. $44.5 million overall guarantees. Deal average $14 million per year. They got, in 2019 free agency, $37 million fully guaranteed at signing. Cornerback market's taken off. Now, you got um, Davis White signed for $17.25 million per year um, right before the regular season started. Four-year extension. Um, $55 million in guarantees. And Marlon Humphrey... After Jalen Ramsey got to $20 million per year, came in at $19.5 million per year on a five-year extension early in the regular season, five, basically $67 million overall guarantees, and slightly over 40 fully guaranteed at signing, five-year extension. Jalen Ramsey, as I just mentioned, first $20 million per year defensive back, five-year extension, $71.2 million overall guarantees, 43.7, fully guaranteed at signing. Now, if I'm representing Jamal Adams, I don't want to be paid like a safety, even though that's typically how you're paid. There's one, the only people who don't get paid by position in the NFL are people who rush the passer very well. Now, doesn't matter whether you're a 3-4 outside linebacker, you're a 4-3 defensive end, or you are an interior defensive uh, lineman, you consistently put pressure on a quarterback, you get paid a premium. Just a class of elite pass rusher, gets paid more than anybody else outside of quarterback. Now, with Adams, I'm, if I'm representing him, he's just a football player. He's not a safety. He is a football player. And the reason I would say that, you got eight and a half sacks as a safety. <laughs> That's something safeties typically don't do. And then you look at where he's lined up. If you, if you go by pro football focus and how they've tracked uh, where he's played this year, 575 defensive snaps, 76 where he's been a defense lined up as a defensive lineman, 120 slot cornerback, nine is a cornerback, 111 free safety, 259 in a box. Now he was, if you if you call him anything, he's a box safety, strong safety comes down, run support. He he's coverage is not a strong suit, rarely picks off any passes. But out of those box. Where he's played in the box, 84 is a strong safety, 175 is a linebacker, um, according to how pro football focus has been tracking where his snaps come from. So, if I'm representing him, he's not a traditional safety. I don't want to be paid like a safety. I want to be paid as one of the top defensive players in the league. Now, there are nine defensive players who average $20 million per year or more. Eight are defensive linemen or edge rushers if you if you count three four outside linebackers. So they're all big guys who get to the quarterback who really do it from rushing on it on the defensive line. Jalen Ramsey, the ninth one, is a cornerback. So this is going to be interesting to see if the Seahawks buy that argument. And then there's the other thing. If there hasn't been a $15 million per year safety yet, so I'm sure they wouldn't mind making the highest paid safety because that seems to be the trend. Next man up who gets the, who gets a long-term deal 
um, becomes the highest paid guy because it got to the $14 million per year level pretty quickly with uh, Tyron Matthew um, landing Collins in 2019. Then Kevin Byard got to 14-1 right before the 2019 regular season started. After the season, Eddie Jackson, 14-6. Then right before this season, Buda Baker, 14.75. So it seems like next man up who plays at a high level gets there. So Adams might benefit in waiting to see first if Justin Simmons or someone can get to 15. Um, he may get franchised again uh, by Denver and then build upon that. But trying to get paid like uh, highest paid, one of the highest paid defensive players in the league, good luck. Now, can, can you become the highest paid defensive player on the Seahawks? That's the end of itself going to be hard enough to do because that's Bobby Wagner who will be going to the Hall of Fame and when his career, whenever his career ends, he's going to be going to the Hall of Fame. He'll be in Canton at some point in time. Um, Bobby Wagner, 2019, signed a three-year, $54 million extension, $18 million per year, 40.25 guarantees, 24.5 fully guaranteed at signing. Now, with Seattle, their contracts are a little bit different in terms of high-end ones and how the guarantees work. Typically, in a high-end contract, you see the first two years fully guaranteed at signing, maybe a portion of the third year. But that ain't happening in Seattle. You're not getting the second year fully guaranteed at signing. Russell Wilson didn't even have the second year fully guaranteed at signing on his extension for $35 million per year in April 2019, which made him the highest-paid player in the league. So there's no way that's going to happen with Bobby Wagner. There's no way they're going to do that with Jamal Adams. What they will do is the second year will be injury-guaranteed, and the vesting date for the skill and salary cap guarantees will be much earlier than anybody else does. It'll be third, fifth day of the waiver period, which is three or five days after the Super Bowl gets played. So that's in February as opposed to third or fifth day of the league year in mid to late March. So they'll do that, and they're not going to have the guarantee in the third year vest early. Now, that didn't happen with Russell Wilson or Bobby Wagner, so you can forget about that, Jamal Adams. So your guarantee... In the third year, if there is one, is going to vest third or fifth day of the waiver period. And that would be if he does the deal this offseason, 2023. So, one, can he transcend the position and not be paid like a safety? Two, will he be, be able to become the highest paid defensive player in the Seahawks, eclipsing Bobby Wagner? And three, if he can do both of those things, can he become one of the highest paid defensive players in the league? This is That's why I think this is gonna, has a lot of interesting dynamics to me. So I'm going to stay tuned and watch this one. I suspect he's not going to be one of the highest paid defensive players in the league. Jamal Adams, you're not, I don't see him getting to the $20 million per year range. Highest paid safety, yes. Can he get paid like a cornerback? I don't know. Is he going to eclipse Bobby Wagner? That remains to be seen, but there's some interesting dynamics with that negotiation. Presumably, it's going to get done sometime this offseason and not have him play out the uh, fifth-year option. That's what happened with Jalen Ramsey. That deal got done um, right before the start of the regular season. Didn't play out the fifth-year option. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That wraps it up for uh, this week's episode of Inside the Cap. Thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And read my regular CBSSports.com agent's take. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Goodbye.